Welcome back to the Maui Noko Oi Magazine and Silver Shark Media Podcast. I'm Jason Evans of Silver Shark Media, and as always, we thank you for tuning in today and encourage you to subscribe and download to the podcast series. I'd like to welcome our next guest, Lori Lagrange, an advisor with Pesha Hawaii. So, Lori, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Aloha, Jason, and thank you for having me on your program. Of course, of course. If you live in Hawaii but haven't heard the name Pesha, there's a good chance something in your house is probably there because of them, I would imagine. Um, so, Lori, <laughs> yeah. first off, maybe just explain what Pesha does uh, for our audience. Pesha Hawaii is a third-generation family-owned company, and they specialize in ocean transportation. So we ship in cargo. And we ship in cargo from the mainland to Hawaii and back from Hawaii to the mainland. So you'll see our Pesha Hawaii containers um, on all the islands. If you look out into the ocean, you may see one of our ships um, coming into the port. So that's what we specialize in. And you said family-owned. Um, so how did the company start? So the Pesha family story is really fascinating. And you know, a lot of people don't know the story only because of who the patients are, which they are very humble people. They like to stay in the background. They they really focus on doing a good job for the people of Hawaii. So the patient story started in 1947. And what people don't realize is that their ties to Hawaii actually started during World War II mm. when George Pesha II um, started a a personal vehicle uh, storage company in Northern California. And so what he started to do was he started to store personal vehicles for military who were being deployed overseas, including here in Hawaii. And then from there, um, his son, George Pesha III, joined the company, and they really started to build this transportation company, a global logistics transportation company. And then in 2005, um, eventually, the current CEO, George Pesha IV, joined the company. And then in 2005, they launched their first ship called the Jinan into Hawaii. And actually, because of George III's aloha for the people of Hawaii, he really wanted to build a company that would provide for everyone that lives here. Yeah. You know, understanding that... We're an island state, right? And more than 80% of our goods come in, 90% or more via ocean. Yeah. So he invested in creating this ship called the Jinan. And it was really innovative. Um, it was the first fully enclosed pure truck car transportation cargo ship that came into Hawaii. And also for the people of Maui, interesting to note that when he launched the Jean Ann, for the first time, the people of Maui and the people of the Big Island actually had a regularly scheduled ship that would bring goods to them from the mainland. Wow. So that was their entry into the Hawaii market. And from there, the company just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and another tidbit that people don't know about is that George Pesha III and his wife, Jan Marie, actually honeymooned in Maui. Oh, even though, nice. you know, yeah. So the, comp the, the family is originally from Northern California, but they have celebrated many reunions, many special celebrations um, here in Hawaii. You know, everything that they do, all the decisions, all of the money that they invest into building this company has all been done um, for the people of Hawaii. 
which is, I mean, it's a necessity. It's, it's, it's what they've created is, is a necessity, like you said, with, with 80% of, of goods that we have to bring in here. Um, and the amount that you said also that, you know, come by ocean. You, you mentioned a Jean Anne. So there, there are multiple mm-hmm. vessels within the fleet. Um, and I guess it's important for people to understand that they don't all have the same roles. So you mentioned that Jean Anne is capable of um, bringing cars and trucks. Are all vessels like that or do some have different purposes? No. So in 2015, Page to Hawaii, um, the company actually purchased the mainland Hawaii trade lane um, horizon lines. I don't know if you recall that, but as part of the purchase, they acquired um, four of their container ships and then the trade lane and operations. And so they have four container ships and then, of course, the Jean Ann. And then in 2015, when they acquired uh, horizon lines, they also launched of Marjorie C. And Marjorie C at that time was also first because that one we call a um, con roll. So it's a combination container ship and roll on roll off like the Jean Ant. So you can put containers in there on, on the ship, but it's also enclosed. So you can roll on cargo. And, you know, I've seen a lot of different moves. I mean, we do a lot of moves for the military where they will just roll on Chinook helicopters wow. and tankers and mobile homes. I mean, it's really something to see because, yeah. you know, no cargo is too large for both the Jean Anne and the Marjorie C. And so what the family did was they really gave Hawaii a lot of options and, and opened the gamut so that, you know, businesses could ship whatever they needed to ship the people of Hawaii. Well, you, you kind of started hinting at one of my, my future questions, which is what is what has been the largest item that has been shipped to Hawaii that, that you're aware of? Oh my gosh, there's so many interesting stories. Um, I remember being on the dock in Honolulu at Pier 1, and we had to transport 12 Chinooks Oh back gosh. to the mainland for the military. So it was really ingenious what they did. They actually turned the um, the port into a landing area. Yeah. So what they did was they flew the Chinooks, they landed them onto the port. You know, the military, they, they just, all they had to do was take off the blades off the top, put them inside the Chinook, and then they just basically rolled on the 12 Chinooks <laughs> onto the Marjorie Sea. And when you went inside the ship, it just looked like a little blip. There was so much space. The wow. shrinks were like nothing. Um, we brought over we brought over a Blue Angel for Pacific Aviation Museum a couple years ago. We brought over, let's see, the rail cars. A lot of really interesting stuff has come come on those ships. I've also heard of roller coasters, right, it, uh, or anything with the yes. state fair rides and and, yep. and things like that. Yep, yep. Wow. Ek Fernandez is a very valued customer of ours. And so when they have their 50th state fair, you know, we'll bring in whatever rides they want to bring in. And it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, the, the stevedores go up there, they, they hook it onto the, the flatbed and they just pull it right off the ship. Cause yeah. you know, you have the plank that comes down and the cargo just rolls right off. Mm-hmm. So that's a beauty. And, and the thing is when it's fully enclosed, you know, it's not open to all the elements. Right. right? So it comes off pristine. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, a let's just say uh, I don't want to say it would be a common question, but just a, for someone who hasn't been on the, a vessel like this before, as, as you're crossing crossing the ocean uh, and you have high seas or high weather, 
what has to be done for these items, especially when you're talking about Chinook helicopters or, or vehicles. Um, I have to imagine there's a lot of detail and preparation involved with the crew on each one of these uh, vessels. Yes, and even loading it. So if you've ever gone into a vessel, it's pretty amazing. I don't know how they do it. It's like a puzzle. Because, mm-hmm. you know, because we have multiple stops, right? So it lands in Honolulu. Like, for example, the Jinan land in Honolulu, goes to Maui, stops in the Big Island. So all the cargo has to be positioned according to when it's not only when it's coming off the ship, but also the balance. And, you know, a lot of times the ships are full. Yeah. So everything has to be perfectly placed. If there's cars, you know, the tires are lashed down to keep them stable. Right. And then when you get into the winter season, right, you have to navigate the storms. Um, so there's a lot of thought and expertise that goes into just one shipment. Yeah. Well, our, our friends at Maui Nokoi Magazine, they did a really nice piece uh, on Pesha back in, I think, the March-April edition of 2020. Um, the mm-hmm. article is called Precious Cargo, and author right. Shannon Wanecki, who's amazing author, traveled with one of the vessels, um, detailing mm-hmm. what that journey was like. So um, for anyone who's interested in this kind of thing, I find it very fascinating. There's a really good write-up and, and detail, kind of a, a day in the life or a week in the life, if you will. Um, y- you mentioned trade routes and, and shipping lanes, things like that. This is a, a, a highly regulated industry, right? Like this, it, you know, you don't just have, um, it's not the 405 uh, rush hour or the poly at rush hour where you have just anyone and everyone can go the same place. What, what are are the regulations that you have to work with correct it is it is regulated for all the right reasons yeah. um and one thing that Pesha has done is that they have really invested in their infrastructure you know when when you look at a company like Pesha, there's a really big sense of responsibility because people here rely on everything being shipped in And so over the years, they have invested millions into building new ships, into, you know, creating their own infrastructure so that you don't have trucking delays, you don't have shipping delays, you know, you have a a dedicated berth at your port and and schedule so that you know exactly when your ships are coming in and and you have your stevedores ready to work. Um, So they've really done an amazing job in creating this infrastructure and working with the Department of Transportation, harbors people, all of the stakeholders to make sure that everything is done correctly and to make sure that there are no delays in what we do. Yeah, and I'm sure there's no shortage of challenges um, that you have to face. And, you know, the, the big one in the last couple of years, obviously when the, the pandemic hit in, in 2020, right when this article came out, uh, March, April of 2020, what was that like for the shipping industry where, you know, you have this import-export system? As you said, it's a, it's a fine-oiled machine on um, staff and process and goods and, and relationships with different clients that are moving things in and out. Um, and then everything kind of comes to a grinding halt. What was that like um, in the shipping industry world for, in particular, you know, that first six months in 2020 when um, everything was, was tightened up quite a bit? It was, honestly, it was pretty hectic, but, you know, I think every business here in Hawaii was affected by what happened. No one was unscathed. Um, For Pesha, as being frontline workers and as being those who everyone was depending upon, 
it was quite the challenge. You know, our employees worked 24-7. And if you remember in the beginning, it was pretty scary because we had no idea, right? We had yeah. no idea what COVID was. Yep. We had no idea that this would last two and a half years. Our employees showed up. They showed up. They knew what they had to do. We had at that time, we had six ships in the fleet. And so normally we keep one in reserve. But what we did was we temporarily operated all six because if you call, all the shells are being emptied, right? People were panicking. Um, And so we did external communications, you know, with our CEO taking out ads, sending out um, communications to customers, trying to put people at ease saying, you know, we've got this. Um, we're going to bring in what you guys need. And there was a lot of pivoting that took place because what happened was nobody was buying refrigerators. No one was buying furniture. Everyone was cleaning the shelves of toilet paper and water and, you know, just, just essential goods. And so we had to pivot with that. And then we ended up um, prioritizing space for these items that people needed and also working with our customers because, you know, businesses were being affected too. Yeah. So we had to make sure that they had what they needed so that they in turn could provide that to people of Hawaii. So the other thing we did too was, you know, as a, a family company, you're a lot more nimble. And our CEO is amazing, heart of gold. And so we had all of these internal um meetings right virtual meetings and and immediately donated a lot of money to food bank um started bringing in you know whatever they needed for free to make sure that their food was stocked um and just really did everything we could possibly do whether it be shipping goods in for free whether it be making large cash donations um, taking care of our employees implementing safety procedures you know, and, and the beauty of it was that we didn't have any shipping delays. Right. We just kept churning. We just kept operating. You know, people didn't have a day off for many, many, many days, and they were okay with that. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as everyone had to pivot, you guys did very efficiently and as you had a need, right? Like folks folks still needed the things that were coming in and, and going out. Um, you know, as, as we talk about, I, I promise I'll only ask one more challenge question. We always, on our podcast, mm-hmm. we'd like to just, get business insight from different industries. Um, You know, anyone who's driving around, um, you know, here on Maui has noticed obviously higher fuel costs and it's it's a lot more expensive to go from one side of the island to the other. Um, I have to imagine that is extrapolated quite a bit when your commute is from San Diego to, you know, Honolulu, (laughs) Hilo and and Kahului. Um, What is that like for these ships and, and, you know, how do you kind of navigate those waters uh, metaphorically when, when you have a challenge like this with, with something that you need to get from point A to point B? Um, like all businesses, we have to adjust, right? I mean, when you talk about fuel, fuel operates just about everything that we have. Yeah. And so you just need to adjust. Um, the other challenge that we have, too, is that because we're an island state, we say that we are a just a uh, ship in time. You ship in time, right? Because there's no storage. Yeah. So it's not like you can bring a ton of stuff. And that was the other thing that we had to work through with COVID. You know, you can't bring in a ton of stuff, especially perishables, because where are you going to put them? Right. So there's really this this navigation you have to do with your customers to make sure that you're bringing in enough um, so that you don't have to store it, but yet enough to meet everybody's needs. Um you know, once the CEO told me that 
the shipping business is a high risk, high cost business. And when you actually look at it from the inside, it is true because it is really high cost, high risk. Yeah. Well, let's, let's shift over to, um, Modernizing and, and maybe one way to alleviate, you know, high gas prices. Um, you have a, a new vessel coming into your fleet that's going to be a little bit different. Um, so I will let you take the floor and explain to us um, how your newer vessel is going to be different from the rest of the fleet. Sure. Yes, we are very excited. And as it turns out, today is actually the day when our newest container ship, named after the CEO's late father, George Patient III, um, is actually landing in the port of Long Beach to begin its inaugural sail to Honolulu. So Honolulu will be um, its its home port. So what makes the George Three different from all others is that it's going to operate on natural gas from day one. Yeah. Um, so huge environmental benefits. Um, it's going to operate on liquefied natural gas, and you know I talked about high cost, high risk. It, it's costing. It costs about $225 million to build the ship, but it's worth it because when you look at the environmental benefits, just rattling it off, you know, just by operating on liquefied natural gas, the ship is going to result in producing 90% less nitrogen oxide. Um, there's going to be a 25% reduction in carbon dioxide and a 99.99% reduction in particulate matter and sulfur oxide when you compare it to ships running on traditional fuels. So it's huge. Um, Massive. And the way that they're, yeah, it's huge. And and it's going to be the first one to fuel on the West Coast. And it's going to be the first one to operate on natural gas in Hawaii. So once again, you have the patient family, right, making major investments for the betterment of Hawaii and bringing all these firsts into their line of business. So the way it operates is that you have these trucks in California that are actually operating on natural gas. They're bringing in these tanks, they bring it port side, and then they fuel George 3 port side, and well, then George 3 failed. Yeah, it, as, um, as someone who has a, a – I produce a educational science show, which is heavy on, on sustainability for television, and the sustainability realm is, is something that companies – if you're not looking forward right now, um, you're, you're going to get left behind, and it's, it's great to hear, and, and I think it's – you talked about, I think, one of the bigger challenges companies face when deciding to shift to sustainability. We actually had Peter Merriman on last week, and he talked about um, aiming to do his first uh, net carbon net zero restaurant over on the Big Island and then see what mm-hmm. he how he can extrapolate that to other restaurants. How far can it go? Um, it is not cheap to make that first step no. um, into doing the right thing. A- and But as you go along that process, I think when you're able, when people are able to grasp the numbers you talked about, and I'm, I'm going to repeat them because I think that they're um, something that's necessary and, and, and helpful. Um, you talked about 90% less nitrogen oxides, 25% reduction in carbon dioxide, and 99.99% reduction in particulate matter and sulfur oxide um, compared to traditional fuels. Those add up, um, and they add up in, in a big, big way. And I think long-term, um, the hope is that financially you'll be more viable um, when you might not have to deal with as much fluctuation in, in the old way. Um, but equally as important, it's it's a commitment to the environment and, and to really just doing the better, the best thing that you can. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. And that's basically what drives the Pesha Ohana. 
you do the right thing. Um, they also have a second ship. So George III will be joined by Janet Marie, which is named after the CEO's late mother. Um, Janet Marie will come on board uh, later this year also. So she will mirror George III in operating on liquefied natural gas, also a container ship. Um, so we're really excited about that, too. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what are the goals of, of Patient moving forward? I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about you know, your infrastructure um, as a company and, and sort of future looking in, in terms of sustainability. Um, what are your other goals, you know, heading forward that you'd like our audience to know? I, I Again, I, I find this to be a fascinating industry because I think people know it exists. They know when they go to a mm-hmm. store and buy something and it had to come here somehow. And, and most of the things, as you mentioned, are coming over um, by vessel, but to really kind of mm-hmm. know the the nuts and bolts of that process and simply, you know, I just ordered it online, I'm going to pick it up, but but how that process works. Um, so what are your goals for, for Pacia uh, moving forward? I think, you know, our goals haven't really changed. It's always been to reinvest in our infrastructure to meet the needs of our customers and ultimately the people that live and work here. Um, those goals don't change. The way that you do that may adjust a bit, like with these new ships, like um, with a major project we're working with, with the Department of Transportation, the Kapalama Container Terminal here in Honolulu. You know, where we're, the company is working in partnership with DOT and investing millions as well um, to create a better infrastructure that will work better, um, that will take trucks off the road, that will utilize the latest in technology. So goals don't change. It's just how you have to evolve to keep meeting those goals because Hawaii keeps evolving, right? Needs keep evolving. Our environment keeps evolving. And so that's what you have to do. Um, The other thing too is that Patient Hawaii, we have more than 400 employees here in Hawaii. So it's how do you keep those employees engaged? How do you keep them so that they feel that they're part of the company. Um, you know, we, we have a, a program called Hui Huli Lima, which means helping hands. And it's our employee community action team where we empower our employees. We give them a budget every year and they choose whatever organization they want to support with the understanding that in addition to a monetary donation, um, you're also going to volunteer your time. So we have quite a few Native Hawaiian employees that love getting their hands dirty, that love helping, you know, Malama the Aina and and doing fun things like that. So it's just a really great company to work for. It's a great company to represent. And I just find it fascinating because, you know, three generations, family owned, you don't find that a lot um, anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, a lot of where the care comes from. And, and you said kind of the ability to to really do the right thing and, and take the extra time and, and energy um, beyond just, you know, the work aspect of it, but uh, the company as a whole. So commend you on on what Pesha has done and what they're doing. And Pesha's also, Pesha Hawaii is also a sponsor um, at this year's Maui Nuka'oi Magazine IPONO Awards, which are this Saturday evening, August 20th. Um, at the old line of Luau, tickets are available at MauiMagazine.net. And Lori, I think you're actually going to be presenting an award that evening. So lots of excitement ahead for you as well. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, we love that event. Yeah. We love that event. It's yeah. A, always mm-hmm. a fun one. Um, if people want to learn more and uh, about Pesha Hawaii and also um, 
the community program you just mentioned, um, what would be the best way for them to, to learn more about your company? I did mention there was a, a really nice article on Malinokoi Magazine, if you go on their website um, from the March, mm-hmm. uh, March, April 2020 issue, um, where if you just type in Pesha Hawaii uh, in the search, you'll, you'll find it pretty quickly. But if folks want to go to a website or social media, um, what's the best way for them to learn more? Sure. Uh, the website is PeshaHawaii.com. So you can find out more information about the services we offer, who we are, um, and you know, feel free to reach out. We're always looking for for organizations to support um, and to give back. Awesome. Well, Lori, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been a great time getting to learn more about Pesha Hawaii. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having us on your show.